G'day everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Expand Chronicle Chambers Phantom Podcast. Today I am again joined by Jermaine Parker. How are you Jermaine? Pretty good yourself Joe, thank you and hello every uh, listener. Awesome, right, I'm doing pretty good. So um, it's been a little while since we've had I guess a proper episode of Expand um, just because of the Christmas and holiday season, and then of course we had the um, exhibition, which Jermaine kindly did all the recordings for because I couldn't make it down there. And thank you once again for that, Jermaine. That was very kind of you. No worries. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope everyone else enjoyed it. It was um, it was great going to, and um, I'm sure you know for those who didn't get to go, it would have been good to uh, have a little bit of a listen and hopefully get to. Um, uh, hopefully being able to get to know some of the other people and get to talk to them and stuff like that as well. Yeah, well, um, it was great. It was definitely great hearing, you know, what was going on at the, at the exhibition and all the stuff that you guys were talking about because, like I said, I wasn't able to go. So to be able to hear all of that was really good, exactly what went on. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was it was, um, it was a great time. I, th- I think there was some... Um, Technical issues with uh, with the, the way I recorded it, so um, hopefully it didn't interfere too much with the um, the enjoyment or the the experience of listening to it. Um, so yeah, pity about that, but um, at least it was better than nothing. Yeah, well, don't worry too much, mate, because according to the podcast statistics, um, they're some of our most downloaded episodes. So that's good. Oh, People are obviously listening good. to it. Okay, so um, obviously in the time frame between this and the last episode, a lot of stuff has happened, a lot of news that we've got to cover. Of course, it's all been reported on the website, but as always, Jermaine and I will have a bit of a chat about it. So I suppose the first thing to mention is the uh, pocket watch that came out from Bradford. Um, we reported on this late January this year, the 30th of January, Um so, yeah, it's basically a very nice sterling silver, I believe it is, pocket watch, again, from Bradford Exchange. So, as you'll be aware, their items are always of a great quality. And it's, um yeah, it looks really, really nice. It's just got uh, the Phantom, a picture of the Phantom on the f- face of it. Um, it's got some engraving and stuff in the lid. And it comes with a chain, so you can hook it into your waistcoat pocket. And if you're uh, inclined to, it also comes with a little leather pouch, which in turn comes in a nice uh, wooden box. Now, you're um, you're a bit more uh, in a means to afford these luxury items than I am, Jermaine. Are you picking this up? <laughs> um, I've actually got it in front of me. Um, I wasn't <laughs> oh, planning <laughs> on... Um, I'm I, admit, I wasn't planning on... I wasn't planning on getting it, and uh, yeah. I got the um, you got the you know the news like the mail in the paper, and uh, the missus she saw it and she goes, oh that's nice, and uh, yeah. I don't think she saw the price, and so she said, oh you should get it, and so um, I didn't argue with her, as you know it's not good <laughs> to argue with the other half, and so exactly. when she says buy it, you buy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I dropped um, I dropped many a hint to my better half too, but. I think they may have fallen on deaf ears, but we'll find out on my birthday in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not holding my breath. Let's just put it that way. 
Can yeah, you? so um, like the uh, gold watch before, it comes in a wooden box and it's got some like little extras like what you've said, but it also has the um, the cut like the six uh, set of the cards, which has got some um, Sky Barry artwork on one side, which is got all jungle sayings and um, and action sequences. So the jungle sayings are the Phantom moves as silently silently as the jungle cat. Phantom has the strength of ten tigers. Never point a gun at the Phantom. Uh, there are times when the Phantom leaves the jungle and walks the streets of the town like an ordinary man. You never find the Phantom who finds you. And one of my favourites, when the Phantom asks, you answer. Very um, nice. And then if you turn it over, it actually comes into a um, uh, a picture of the Phantom uh, map of the Phantom country. Which we would oh, have cool. all seen um, uh, in some of the store, in some of the newspaper stories and all that. Oh yeah. Well, um, well, yeah. So, so that was that, and um, and I think this is actually, I think it's 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 modelled off that, but I think it's been slightly um, uh, redone by Glenn Ford. Oh, okay. So he's what touched um, it up a little bit or something. Yeah, yeah. He did it. Going back, one of the first things Bradford did a a, a big phantom uh, print with the map and stuff like that. So um, it's the artwork's been used before, but I don't actually know many people who have uh, actually brought the that print before. So this is a good opportunity for people I to get a copy that, of it. I think that art was used in. Um one of the, the trading card series as well. I think maybe the first the first series of the Phantom trading cards. I remember if you there was cards that were like um locations around the deep woods and stuff on the front and then when you put them all together and flip them over they created a map. I think I'm remembering that that correctly. I don't have them in front of me so I can't check. But um I know yeah. one of the card series definitely had it in there. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't remember that to be truthfully honest. Um but yeah, so it's quite nice. Um as you said the the watch I've actually got number twenty four. Um so it's a nice low number. Um the watch the the outside of the watch is probably my favourite. Like it's got I don't know, you've probably seen that very popular um phantom pose with his arms folded over the jungle and all that. Yep. Um the insides are one of Douglas uh I'm not going to pronounce his name right. Douglas Kubler or Calaba or something. Yeah, the, the um, Moonstone cover artist. Yeah, yeah. So it's got one of his pictures on it, and I must admit, I'm a little bit disappointed with um, with the inside art. Like, I th- I think the art is just a little bit too busy. Oh, okay. So it takes away too much from the t- actual time piece. Yeah, and it doesn't really match. Like the art's quite modern and quite you know, nice looking and, you know, yeah, the art's modern where the watch is kind of more antique, more retro, more, um, you know, so it's kind of like the the art doesn't really fit with the watch if you get what I mean. Yeah, well, they seem to use that, that image in particular a fair bit, so maybe it's, I don't know, cheap for them to license it or something. Yeah, yeah, probably, but it, to be truthfully honest, I think it would have almost been better if they'd, because like, you can't really see the numbers either. Um, mm. It would have almost been better if it was just a like a, a plain 
with a you know a picture of a skull or or, or, a good or, mark or something, something like that. Yeah, or a good mark or something like that would have just made it. I don't know because like it's really really good, and then it's just for me the disappointing part about it is the face. But apart from that, it's pretty good. Oh. And to be honest, it really just stays in the case in my fandom room. So yeah, you can kind of you can kind of leave the um. Uh, you can leave the watch closed so you don't see that bit. Yeah. Well, um, there was only 300 pieces made worldwide, so you did well to get such a low number. Yeah, yeah. Um, from what I understand, they just kind of, when they get an order, they just kind of pull a box out and just grab it. So yeah. it's literally a lucky duck, a uh, lucky pick, you know. So, you know, because I know sometimes, I, I think one of them I ordered it, you know, really, really early, and I got, a, I got a high number. And in this one, you know, I knew quite a few people that got it before me, and I got a, I got a nice low number. Oh, okay. So there's no real rhyme or reason to... No, nah, I think... Fair enough. Um, I think they probably, like, the first 10 or something, they probably uh, keep aside for, you know, people like Glenn Ford, maybe, you know, yeah. free publications from Bradford Exchange and stuff like that. That happens most of the time with... Um, uh, you know, things like that. Like, I, I know, I know other situations where, you know, like the first 20 or something, the, you know, the people that produce it normally keep it. Yeah. Um, uh, in saying that, I did get number two for those six, you know, those villain prints. Oh, yes. Yep. So I did get number two for that, but, um, yeah, I think that might have been a once off. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, if anyone is still interested in getting a pocket watch, there may or may not be any left. I'm not sure, but the full price for it is three hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety five cents plus nineteen ninety nine shipping. As always, Bradford offers a um, payment plan for this of five installments of sixty nine ninety nine. Um, so if there are some available, I'm honestly not sure if there are, but that's the price if you're um, keen on getting one. So in other news, uh, we had. Uh, starting in February, the vote for the best Phantom story of 2013 and the best Phantom Man cover of 2013. Now, um, this was obviously posted by Andreas, our Scandinavian contact. Um, and while the voting may seem that it's only sort of important for those fans living in Sweden or reading the Phantom Man issues, it actually will impact on we Aussies and um, any other countries that may get the Fru stuff as well because, you know, we, we read the Fru issues or whatever and then we get on Facebook and um, have a bit of a wind or a moan about it. But these um, votes actually let us give our opinion to the creators. So this is a very good thing to do. Unfortunately, the day, uh, sorry, the, the voting has closed for both already. But um, Jermaine and I thought it was a good idea to mention we had a bit of a discussion about this before we started recording, that um, it's good for Australian fans, American fans, whoever, to vote in this if we can, uh, because it will impact on what Team Phantom Man or Egmont, however you want to look at it, um, produces. So if you haven't voted this year, that's all right. I didn't. I um, ran out of time. But um, be sure to vote for next year's, or for this year's, I suppose it will be, the best of 2014. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention about that, Jermaine? No, just to, I guess just to echo what you said, because um, I know there was been a, a recent discussion on Facebook, I think probably starting Friday, 
uh, about the latest Phantom story, and um, I showed my displeasure about it. Um, and I know some creators probably um, uh, look on Facebook and stuff like that, but I, I think you, can't, you don't really have a... It's hard to actually say you care about it and, and um, you know, you'll want to have your say if you don't actually take the effort to, uh, you know, just it takes like 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes, you know, during lunch break or, you know, while you're sitting on the toilet or something like that to have a, have a quick vote. Um, you know, uh, so it is in Swedish, and I know Norway does one as well, so it's in different languages. But, um, uh, you know, all you got to do is just open up Google Translator, or even if you um, uh, do it in Google Chrome, um, it will do an automatic translation for you. So that's always a handy thing to do. Yep, and failing is... that, um, Andreas was kind enough to post the translation on our website when he posted the story, so you'll be able to tell from that too what everything means. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, so I guess it's just, uh, you know, if everyone, you know, there will be, I'm assuming there will be another post up on uh, Chronicle Chamber and via the Facebook and Twitter and everything else uh, when it's ready in a few years, you know, when it's ready this time next year. Um, so if everyone has another vote, it will uh, hopefully, um, you know, help people to be able to... Uh, have their say and hopefully we'll get some good stories and yep. they'll get some good feedback from us. Yep, and it's probably worth mentioning, most people probably know, but it might be worth mentioning for those that don't. Um, while it might seem strange to vote on Swedish stories, Fru actually reprints those stories in our Australian editions, albeit translated. So if you're not enjoying what you're seeing in Fru or you are enjoying what you're seeing in Fru, then it is still worth your while to vote in this because you'll either get more or less of what you're enjoying, depending on your opinion. So it's worth doing for everybody. Definitely. Okay, so the next um, news item we have, which I found quite interesting when I read about it, was um, a post on Tony DePaul's blog in which he talks about Kit and Heloise and an upcoming um, newspaper strip story will be getting older. Is probably the easiest way to put it, or maybe maturing in their in their character. So, as we all know, in the world of comics, time moves a lot slow slower than it does in the real life. Obviously, if time moves in comics as it does in real life, the Phantom would be struggling to get off the Skull Throne, let alone fight bad guys. Um, <laughs> but Kit and Heloise have been re- been sort of seen or regarded as young children or v- very early teens, about 12, 13, for a long time now, and Tony DePaul said um, on his blog that he's about to move them into the next stage of their life. Exactly what that means, uh, we don't know. It could mean they're going into, you know, 17, 18, maybe in the early 20s, um, the start of the young adult lives. But whatever that means, it's quite interesting to see that there's going to be that... um, that development of their character from the, the kids that we kind of always think of them as. What was your reaction to that when you when you saw it, Jermaine? Um, I was pretty excited. Um, to be honest, I hope it's... I don't know. Like, on one hand, it's like, you know, it will be good if they were... became 20-odd and we saw a, uh, a, um, a succession plan. Mm. But on the other hand... Um, 
you know, maybe that's going to be too much of a of a jump from, you know, I guess 10 to 12 is what they are now to maybe young adults of, you know, 15 to 18. Yeah. So I think we'll probably see them at around 15 to 18. Um, I do find it interesting that we don't really see them at school as much um, anymore. No, so, there's been a few Scandinavian stories, I think, where they were at school. Um, yeah, and one of their teachers yeah. or something was evil. Yeah, there was those. Um, but that's that was what? How many years ago? Yeah, um, that was a while ago. And I don't really know how much um, Tony D. Paul or, you know, puts what happens in Egmont with what happens in newspapers. I know there's a lot more than probably what there has ever been because he's written for both. Yeah. But um, I think it's still a, a standalone universe. Yeah, they probably don't. One probably doesn't influence the other so much. Yeah, so I, I think they'll be about 15 to 15 to 18, mm-hmm. and we'll probably see them behave more like uh, young adults. Probably the biggest thing I am looking forward to is Kit actually not being portrayed as a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a long time there, um, the, the kind of setup was that it was almost Heloise was in, was going to take over as the role of the Phantom, which for me personally, it would be fine. I have no problem with a female phantom, but it was interesting. Especially so. Well, you know that helps. Um, but but yeah, it's it was interesting. They kept pushing that Heloise was the better archer, the the sort of better tactician than Kit was. Um, whether the the curators were just trying to be a bit more PC, I don't know. But um, yeah. yeah, it was and it was an interesting take on on the thing. So it'll be interesting to see how. That is resolved if Tony DePaul even looks into that. Yeah, um, I, I think. Yeah, I, I hope it's you know I don't want to be politically incorrect, but I hope you know I hope it does go more towards uh, Kit taking over the role. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know Hillary's filling in and and stuff when needed, but. Um, yeah, I hope it's going to be the fan, and it's you know it's gonna he's he will be you know Kit, and we'll go on with there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess I, I must admit I'm a little bit behind with the um, uh, with the newspaper stories the last couple of weeks. So what story are we up to? Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure. I don't read the newspaper stories until they get printed in through. I know that's that's terrible, but um, I don't buy a newspaper. I just keep forgetting to follow them online. So uh, yeah, I, I tend to do it like once a month. Yeah, <laughs> like I remember, and there's nothing, you know, and it's and it's you know nothing to do during my lunch break. So I go, oh yeah, I haven't looked at it for about a month. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to remember. I think the last I know Fru's publishing the Aeronaut story. Next, so yeah, I, I don't know what the next story is. So maybe we're already into the um, uh, the Kit and Heloise uh, progression story. So well, we, maybe yeah. all our answers are already um, answered. Well, I've just printed Mandrake's Bon Voyage, which we can talk about a little bit later. And like you said, the Aeronaut um, is going to be printing it soon. Um, I'll just have a look at the wonderful Phantom Trail website that does have all the strips. 
So according to it, the current daily um, story is the scoundrel, which started on the 12th of February. So it's been going for a little while. Uh, And the current... Oops, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'll just pull up the current um, Sunday story. The current Sunday story is um, Juliet Adams, I think it is. So it's a story about the fifth Adam and his wife. Oh, okay. Which is quite um, enjoyable at the moment. Um, Okay. But, yeah, so it it must be the story after the scoundrel. I forgot about that story. So, yeah, so... I'm assuming what is it now? It started in started in February. It's towards the end of March now. So it's scoundrels probably got another probably got another month or two. Yeah, I'll have to um, update that on the website. I haven't didn't realize that it started. Yeah. So well, anyway, whatever happens, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm sure it will cause a lot of discussion, as these things always do. Yeah. Okay. So what else do we? Ah, yes, Fru's online store. So. Um, for those of you that may not yet know, Fru have opened an online store for back issues. Um, it opened uh, late February on the 21st. Um, but when we reported, reported it originally, the issues listed were from the early 1000s with prices ranging from $6.50 and down for um, 36 issue, uh, sorry, th- sorry, 36 page issues and about $10 for the 100 Um, 100-page specials. Just pulling up the website now to see what um, they currently have. So the earliest fortnightly issue they have is issue 1039, uh, which is Takal's Mask. It was originally published in 1993, and they're asking $6.50 for it. And it goes down to... Probably the most recent issues. Yes, it does. Yeah, I think they're adding. Like, I think they've added all the early stuff, and they've um, last time I checked, and they they're adding all the new st- like the new stories, and then they're just kind of probably adding like you know twenty or thirty, you know, when there's a bit of a lull at work or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they but, might um, be later, or I should say, early issues at a later. Yeah, day. I think it's. I think they've only from his correspondence on the on uh, the Instagram is it's going to be pretty much issues from about 1993 onwards. Okay. So a lot of hardcore long-term fans have probably already got them. Yep. Um, You know, they may, you know, they may buy a few to fill in some gaps or, uh, you know, get some some higher quality uh, comics for some of their lower quality comics. But I think, I think, but... In saying that, it, it's it's great because it means one there's there's a new website out there, um, and it means you know through are actually going to do, are actually doing something online. Yeah, which is great. It's it's interesting that they've opened up a online store because I when when Steve originally announced I was going to have a website, I thought it was going to be like a I guess a through homepage where this is more a store, which isn't a bad thing, but. It's, it's, yeah. I just think that's interesting that he's gone down that, that road. Well, in saying that, this is phantomcomic.com.au, throughpublications.com.au hasn't been, um, uh, is actually a domain name they've got. So they haven't actually, um, yeah, so I wonder if they're actually going to do something on that domain name. 
Okay, so they so they own that and might be bringing up an actual yeah. Well, all search. the email addresses are on uh, freepublications.com.au. So yeah. So maybe they're still going to do a, a free website. Oh, cool. That that would. Uh, it's just pure speculation. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I must admit, I was I was thinking the same. Is that okay? Not saying it's not a good thing, but you know, um. What about a website about fruit? Yeah. Or something. So, but apparently you can do, uh, you can handle your, uh, subscri- not your subscriptions, or yeah, your subscriptions, um, on that website as well. Oh, that's great. Because the scri- subscription thing had been a, we have a pain in the bum for a long time. You had to, particularly for overseas fans, you had to write a, an actual letter to Fru and it was all done by, you know, handwritten correspondence so it'd be a lot easier if they could do it online yeah exactly um you know yeah or you know you call up and give your credit card over the details but now you can probably do paypal yeah well they've got paypal listed on the website as one of the yeah. options so yeah and um at the moment they are offering um one of the best wishes from the phantom posters for every order over 15 dollars um, and also, according to the website, all the issues that they have in stock are in mint condition. So, I assume through means mint condition, as mint condition is generally thought of, an absolutely perfect, perfect form. But um, either way, your, your issues are going to be pretty schmick if you get them through the website. So, that's yeah. good for anyone that's sort of started just reading through recently. And I think that's what it will be good for is for the, you know, for the, the born again reader, you know, who's, mm-hmm. uh, um, come back to the fold or all the people that are a new, a new reader, they're going to be able to, um, you know, buy some back issues without having to, um, without having to troll through eBay or, or, um, or, you know, haggle and buy overpriced issues through, um, other people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as J- Jermaine mentioned, the website is phantomcomic.com.au. But um, if you don't have a pencil next to you or you can't remember that, there is a link to the site um, on the Chronicle Chamber homepage. It's in the the um, sidebar on the right. Just scroll down a little bit. It's just under the Donate button. Um, so there's a little banner there. It says Phantom Back Issues for Sale. Click on that and you'll be taken straight to Fru's Back Issue website. Um, so, what else do we have? Oh, yes, the three-inch PVC Phantom figure that came out last year, the um, purple and red. Well, it was mostly purple with a limited run of red figures. Um, the people that made those, uh, Casual Friday, are releasing a grey version of that PVC figure. There's, mm. uh, there's no... Actual announcement date, uh, sorry, release date announced yet, but um, they have said it, it is coming. They showed it off at a recent toy fair in America, so I'm sure um, those of us that already have the purple and the red will be um, clamoring to get one of those. Are you going to try and get one, Jermaine? Yeah, definitely. I've got a purple and a red one. Um, I've actually found a few people that are selling selling a purple and a red one for about. You know, about 30 US, so 
So I don't know who it is or, you know, why, but obviously not including postage, but uh, they're definitely definitely out there to buy if you haven't got one yet. Yeah, um, I, I think I mentioned before I only got, well, I got two purple ones. I didn't didn't get the red one because it was a bit more expensive and at the time I couldn't afford it. But now that the grey one's been announced, I, I kind of want to get the red one and the grey one as well so I can have the full set. So yeah, I'll try and track, I'll, track the I red one I'll down. I'll do a blue one as well. Yeah, yeah. Someone um, on Facebook mentioned that you know it'd be cool if they did do a blue one um, for the Scandinavian fans, and then maybe they'll do a green one and a, and a brown one, and um, I think there's a yellow one in, in the country as well. So maybe they'll do one for each each costume variation, which would be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, well, yeah, no, it would. Um, I was talking to my um, local comic book shop, and he's um, he's he was talking to uh, the Australian distributor and he mentioned that, you know, that there was... He didn't know whether there was only going to be one or other colours, but he did mention that there was going to be at least another colour. So maybe, you know, they are going to do other colours. Cool. It'd be interesting too to see if they um, do other variants, like maybe a Phantom 2040 version or um, one from the from the movie with the, the costume covered and all the, the tattoo designs and stuff like that. That could be that could be interesting as well. Yeah, I wonder if the only problem is um, that I have to change the uh, like, like the mould because changing the colour, all they have to do... With the colour variants, you only have to change the, uh, the paint job. Yeah, that's true. With the um, movie one, they probably wouldn't have have to, but with 2040, they might because, you know, the guns are different. He's got those gauntlet things and all that sort of stuff. I guess it depends on how successful um, these these first lot of figures are and, you know, if enough people are asking for it. Yeah, well, um, like I said, the, uh, the comics guy I was talking to, uh, the comic book shop owner, he said that they were, they were very popular, like, but he, you know, he's brought a whole pile of them. He puts out a couple at a time, and and every time he puts out a couple, they always sell pretty quickly. So yeah. So are comic stores. Do you know if comic stores are getting the red one as well? Because wasn't that a um a order incentive? If you bought so many, you would get a red red variant. Yeah. If you buy, I I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it was like my I, yeah I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, if you brought if you brought enough, you would get one red per 10 or 20 or 50 yeah. purples or something. I'm just looking at um, King's Comics, uh, the comic store in, web- in Sydney, their website, and they've only got the purple one listed, but that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have the red ones. It could just be that they only have one or two of them, so they haven't put them on the site. Um, and they yeah, probably well, sell probably them just... a little bit more expensive as well. Yeah, exactly, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Limited Vision sells them for $50, I think it was. Oh, yeah, okay. I know, um, I know the Canberra comic book shop sold it a little bit less, and I don't know about the Perth one. Oh, okay, cool. I might have to, um, look into that, see if I can get myself one, because I definitely want to get that grey one, so it'd be nice to have the set. Okay, so the last piece of news we have, um, which is kind of exciting, especially for 
uh, Scandinavian fans is that Egmont has released a Phantom app for the iPad. Um, the app is only available in Swedish, unfortunately, so those living in other countries um, can't get it. Well, you can get it. There are ways around it, but as most people with iPads and iPhones and that probably know, um, Apple uh, has various stores for different countries. So there's the iTunes Australia, which has some things available that aren't available on iTunes America and all that sort of stuff. Um, there are ways around it. I'm not an Apple user, so I don't know them off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you Google, you'll find it. Um, from what we know, though, it looks like it's basically a digital comic reader, so similar to Comixology or your Marvel Comics app, things like that. Um, it looks really cool. It also has a map of um, the Phantom's world, so not just the Deep Woods, but almost all of Bangala by the looks of the... Uh, of the screenshots, and um, it also has uh, information about the characters and the locations and things like that as well. So it looks really cool. I really hope that this um, gets released for Australian readers, actually, but of course that would require someone to translate it. Maybe Fru could get in on it. Yeah, because, um, well, obviously, Steve, you know, the new operator, or whatever you want to call him, a Fru, um, is technically apt to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've searched for it on, on, on the Apple Store, and like you, I haven't found it either. Um, so I might have to, see, you know, have to research for some of the ways around that. But from what I've seen, like the screenshots that are on the website and stuff, it looks pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't. The, the art's really nice. It. Um the artwork, uh, let's see if I can find the um, name of the artist here, but the artwork is, is really nice. I'm really liking the, the artwork they're using for it. Um, apparently with it comes a free, a free story, The First Phantom, by um, Lee Falk and Cy Barry. So you get your... Oh, Ellen, I think it's pronounced, Ellen Johnson is the name of the artist who has done the map and the special... Um, artwork for things like the Skull Cave and the Golden Beach of Kilauea, um, giving, it gives you information about those areas. Um, but yeah, you, you get the free story, um, you can buy the newest Phantom Man issues directly through the, through the app. Of course, they're digital issues. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. It will hopefully take off and we might get something like that here. Definitely. Cool. Right, uh, I think that's everything for the news so far. The only other thing is a couple of um, new fruit issues that have been added. I've added uh, the details for the forthcoming three-story classic, which is issue 1690, and I've also updated the covers for issues 1689 and 1688, which um, one we were missing and one was a really bad uh, scan of it. So the... Information for the yet-to-be-released 1690 is up on the site if you haven't checked it out yet. So speaking of issues, I suppose it's probably a good segue into our much-overdue look at this year's Phantom Annual. Yes. Now, we've sort of banged on a fair bit about this already. Um, We both bought two copies, I believe. Um, Yeah, well, I bought a few for other... 
other people and stuff like that as well. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a copy here that I've opened that I've got opened up and stuff. Um, it's probably like I said before in previous ones. It's the first. Um, it's the first annual I've been excited about buying for a while. Um, yeah. I really like the artwork. Um, the artwork's really good. The story selection's good. Um, the majority of the reproduction is good. Um, you know, so it's overall, it's a pretty good, um, it's a pretty good work. Some of the stories in the one of, some of the, the art in the Swamp Rats is a little bit squashed for my liking. Um, well, it looks like, it looks like, you know, they've, the panels are about, they've tried to fit like four little, four panels per line and it almost looks like that it should have only been maybe three with a little bit of gap. Yep. Um, but yeah, everything else I'm pretty, pretty happy with. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I've, yeah, sorry, you go. Uh, it's, I was just going to say, it is it is quite a nice book. Unfortunately, there are still some issues, like you mentioned before, and also there's a few pages where um, the printing's gone blurry. Um, nothing so bad as preview is, previous issues in which you could barely read the thing, but um, there are still some issues of blurriness, although they are far and few between. Um, I actually mentioned to Steve Shepard before we uh, recorded our last episode that we were going to be reviewing this and he said that during the printing process um, they did run into a few unforeseen issues so the the annual wasn't quite to the high quality that they were hoping for. He didn't um, elaborate on what those issues are but um, judging by the blurriness and and so forth I would assume it's similar issues to Furu suffered previously. Having said that though, once you get are roughly two-thirds in, a little bit past the halfway mark, the print quality becomes great. The blacks are crisp, the lines are sharp. It looks really, really nice. Um, So while the issue itself may not be 100% perfect, it's definitely a very good indication of things to come. And um, future issues have kept going in that vein. So, yeah, it's really nice. I'm sure everyone's probably already got their copy and was quite happy with it, but I was very pleased. I was very pleased. Yeah, it's probably it's probably at, I would say it's probably at about eighty or ninety percent of what they were kind of hoping it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, with like what you said, he, he knew he had a few issues that weren't quite sorted. But um, everyone I've talked, there's only probably been one person that I've talked to that wasn't a huge fan of the cover. Oh yes. Um, but everyone else um, I've talked to is pretty much a fan of the cover and the stories. So kudos have to go to free. Oh, it. definitely, definitely. Um, you know, and if they can, and then if I, I'm sure you know, I will go into all the all the covers since then. Yep. But, um, you know, the covers quality has definitely gone up as well. So, oh, definitely. Um, kudos to Frew, and I, I hope they continue to uh, improve. Um, have they, 
I think in a previous discussion we were talking about them wanting to um, improve the print quality. Has that happened? Not the print quality, the paper quality. Um, it, it, I think so. It doesn't. It doesn't look like the the butcher's paper kind of stuff we we used to get. Um, it does seem a little bit heavier, but whether they're going to improve it even further, um, I, I'm not sure. I would like the paper to be a little bit heavier. I still think it's a little bit thin. The ink does um, come off on the fingers still, which you know will obviously result in in damage to the comic, and over time the ink will fade, and it won't be um, quite as easy to read. But I do think, I'm just trying to find an early issue so I can compare them, but I do, I do think that the paper has has become a little bit a little bit thin, thicker, but not, nothing so um, so substantial that you can pick it up and not and, and straight away notice it. You've got to kind of examine it a little bit. But yeah, it, it looks wider, um, and, and like I say, the inks are a lot more crisper, so it, the paper's obviously holding the ink better. True, because the paper before, it was almost greyish, wasn't it? Yeah. But I'm looking at the annual now, which, and then I'm looking at the next issue, which I guess we'll get into in a second, which is uh, Day of the Dead 1685. And the annual's kind of got, on some of the pages, it's got like the dotted lines of whether it was from the printing press or from the paper or what. And then the paper... You put the paper or the comic next to the Day of the Dead story, and it's definitely got a greyer tinge to it. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if that's just me or you know, we're, I'm looking, I'm over analysing it or not, but it definitely, the art definitely looks well, not the art, the paper looks a lot, it looks whiter. Yeah, the whole production just looks a lot cleaner and more professional. Yeah. Which is good, but yes, I personally I'd like a, a like the paper to be a little a little thicker stock, but um I, I obviously don't know what Fru's um overheads and, and so far so such are so um whether they will increase the paper quality again I'm not sure, but at the moment it is a lot better than we've had for a long time. So um yeah we should as Jermaine mentioned we should definitely uh give a nod to issue. 1685, Day of the Dead, um, I think we can pretty much safely say that this is the issue that um, Steve's improvements have all come to fruition. Like you mentioned, the paper's a lot wider, the blacks are sharper, the ink's clearer, uh, sorry, the images are clearer. There's no instance of blurring, which is a, a blessing. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I find I'd be able to read a through issue without squinting at one of the pages. It's great. So one eight, so no one one six eight five is actually is the new art from um, uh, Kurak uh, or yeah, I think his first name's Kurt. Um, now the story, it's um, the story's enjoyable. The arts, the art looks a little bit. Um, Filmangish, you know, you can't you can't fault the art though. So no, you know, no. there's no point in folding the art. Um, but I must have had, I had a bit of a laugh at the Elvis impersonator though. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't know that was a big thing in Mexico. Yeah, I don't know if it's a big thing in Mexico, but mate, but you know, the arts, it's, um, I can definitely see, like, the European influence in the art. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, it's a lot, like, it's sim- simpler, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's more, um, um, economy of line, like, it's not all cross-hatching and, and just, you know, ink for the sake of ink. They've obviously taken care with each line that, that they've drawn. Um, the story itself, I must admit, it was a nice change reading the story the other, you know, like the other way around. Yeah, I actually had a bit of trouble with the, um, with how I kept switching from past to present and all that sort of thing because it took me a minute to realise what was going on. Whether that says more about me than it does about the writing, I don't know. But yeah, it, it took me a, a little bit to get into the swing of it. Yeah, now it did say, like, on the first page, it's got Santa Cruz, Mexico, three days ago. And on, you know, two pages in today, November 2nd, Death's Day. So, you know, it does do that. It does do that. But it's interesting. um, um, But then again, on page 10, it doesn't really indicate that, you know, that that there's that switch again. Yeah, I wonder if that's... um maybe another thing to put down to the black and white nature of Fru, like uh, maybe in the original comic being coloured, the colour palette for the flashbacks or whatever was different um, and of course being black and white we're not getting that that could be in some yeah, I've got the issue, I must admit I, that didn't uh, you know, obviously I didn't I can't remember it, but I did. I normally do flick through, you know, the Norway or, and or the Swedish version to have a kind of look at it. But I don't remember that. But normally, what you know, and I'm no artist, but normally from previous um, uh, previous comics that I've read, when they've done flashbacks, they've put like a little, like a little wavy section or or, or something yeah. to. Kate, that it's a different time. Yeah, some time, sort of um, visual indicator. Yeah, and I guess that, like, if you were to pick a hole in this story, that would have been a little bit nicer because it would have, um, uh, would have made the flow a little bit easier for the people who obviously weren't paying as much attention as what we were, as what yeah. we obviously did. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at page 14 now, and it's a 2 4. Six, seven page, uh, sorry, seven panel page, and the first four pages are all in the past. Uh, sorry, the first four panels are all in the past, and the fifth panel says now, and then the sixth panel jumps back another 17 hours. So <laughs> it's definitely all over the place. And even yeah. in, the, in the now panel, the conversation isn't finished. It's just sort of stopped with a question, and then it jumps back 17 hours again. So, yeah, it's all over the place. But in saying it, I like I like it. I just wish it was probably a little bit more visually explained a little bit better. You know, whether it was you know, maybe it was in the in the colour version when they had like a different colour tone, but in the black and white it was a little bit hard to follow. But I yeah. like it. That makes sense. Like you know, like um uh the T V show I'm sure most people are watching, you know, Arrow where that has the flashbacks. Yeah. 
Um, in a lot of the time, it's the flashbacks are actually more interesting than the current story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I like the flashback aspect. It was just a little bit hard to follow. But I'm looking forward to seeing this artist again. Yeah, his art is really nice. So, um, yeah, it's it's very nice to see that Fru has improved their um, their production quality. So I suppose talking about those issues can lead us into the next part of the episode, which is discussing the issues that we've recently read. So obviously we've recently read The Annual and Day of the Dead. What else have you been reading, Jermaine? Um, well, you've got... Uh, 1686 and 1687 is a reprint of The Rose of the Cario and um, Pandora's Box. Mm-hmm. Now, um, yeah, this is a good old classic story. I remember reading it when I, I remember when I first started collecting it, it was Everyone was saying, "Oh, this was, you know, this was a story to, you know, to dig out and stuff." And so yeah. I, I dug it out, um, and I enjoyed it back then, and I enjoyed it again here. Yeah, it's it's a uh, cracking story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, well, it's got, you know, it's got mystery, and to be honest, it's probably got the right element of uh, the mystical element as well, like. I'll mention that in the last in the last free story that I've read, but that's probably got too much of the um, uh, magical or mysterious or whatever element, whatever you want to call it. Where this one, it's definitely got that mystical sci-fi element to it, but it's not an overkill. It's not the main um, what would you call it? The main element of the story. Like the story's not based around that. Yeah. If that makes sense in any way at all. It's like a supernatural backdrop almost. Yeah, and I kind of liked it. It was, you know, it wasn't... Um, and so, yeah, so that... You know, I don't mind comics or the, or the fandom comic having that element, but when it's too much, it's yeah. not enjoyable. This one wasn't too much, in my opinion. Um, so, something I wanted to ask is, I've, I do have the original printing of this, which is... Um, uh, I can't think of the issue now. Uh, 922 and 923 was the original printing in Fru. Um, now, at that time, Fru wasn't using, obviously, it wasn't using digital um, digital text for the speech bubbles. This has. So I'm guessing that they must have gone through and completely redone all the text in this. I don't have the original uh, on me to compare, but I'd be very surprised if the um, if the original had digital lettering. Yeah, it's a good point because like you can um, yeah, I must admit I've never noticed that until well, you just the, pointed that out. Well, just the reason I bring it up, we're talking about the improved quality of through to go through and re-letter a whole issue. Uh, well, whole two issues is great because some of the um, the hand lettering uh, in the older issues at times is a little bit hard to read because you know writing all that text obviously your hand gets sore and sometimes depending on whatever process they're using it doesn't reproduce as well. So they've obviously you know if, if the original did have hand lettering to go through and re-letter this to improve the quality of it, make it that much more easy to read, and also it doesn't stand out. 
as um, as not being of the era that the story was originally written. The way they've put the text in really fits the speech bubbles. Um, it doesn't look like you know they've had a small speech bubble but had to fit overly large text in. It's all squeezed. It's really done nicely. So if that is indeed what they've done, I have to say that's a bloody good job. I'm really impressed with that. <laughs> but then I could be wrong too. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to dig, we'll have to dig it out. But yeah, I think you um, I think you're right there. Well, th- that original Pandora's box 923 came out in '89. Um, I'm pretty sure they weren't doing uh, digital lettering then. I think yeah, I think you're right because I think it's only a recent thing they've introduced. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we should also point out or um, give a nod to the brilliant covers for these two issues as well. Now, what did you think of the black and white cover? Um, I thought it was brilliant. I've said this before. um, Moonstone did a black and white cover a couple of years ago, and I think it is a brilliant idea because although you might think black and white, it's not really going to stand out. Um, when you have a whole bunch of stuff that's all coloured on a shelf, um, and this is just the stuff I've picked up through, through my art um, career, when you have a whole bunch of coloured stuff um, on a shelf, but then you have one really bold black and white image um, because of the the white and the black clashing against each other as they do because they're you know, corresponding colours, it really helps to make it pop. So I think it's a very a very clever thing for Fru to have done. The design is really nice. Um, it has a mystery about it because you can't see the Phantom's face. He's, there's a lot of shadow. I think it's a really nice design myself. I'm sure that there are people that won't agree with me, but I think it, it's it's really, really nicely done. And I particularly like the back cover as well where they've got um, sort of panels stacked on top of one another for, for lack of a better description. I think that looks really cool. I think it's a it's a great cover. It's by far one of my favourites that Fru have done. Yeah, no, um, I guess you can't really argue with that. Um, I, I, I must admit, I liked it as well. Um, I wouldn't want it to become something that they do every second issue or or, or something like that, but something they do, you know, maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, it would no, be awesome. I. I agree. It's definitely something that you'd have to do sparingly, otherwise it would lose its impact. Um, yeah. And obviously newsagents, um, I buy my fruits in newsagents now rather than the comic store. Obviously newsagents aren't quite as nicely laid out as comic stores are because, um, you know, people go in and they pick something up and they flip through and then just chuck it willy-nilly back on, on the shelf. But I remember when that Moonstone issue came out and I walked into the New This Week section of my comic store and you just had that black and white um, cover popping out against all the sort of Marvel and DC ones that looked kind of exactly the same as each other. And um, the, the fact that Fru's done the same, I think, will help uh, grab people's attention when they see it. Because it is yeah, a, yeah. an interesting well, thing. I, I always go past the newsagent, I, you know, and quite often I pick up, you know, a spare copy or, you know, for another person um, from the newsagent or something. And the black, the black ones, well, that's kind of, like the black covers do pop out a lot more. Yeah. Um, but I know that was with the, 
uh, with the last of the Mero's, I think, Mero the latest. or whatever it is. Yeah, whatever that one's called. Like, that plopped out a lot. But yeah. I could see that. I could see, you know, that five metres away. Yeah, well, it's the same for the um, the annual, the black one. Yeah. where it's very dark, but you've got that one section of, of the light. So, yeah, it, it makes a nice focus point. Definitely. So the story after, well, the issue after those two is uh, 1688, which is, uh, oh, man, what's with all these hard titles? Um, <laughs> Navajo? Yes. I, I, now, I haven't picked that one up. I must admit, I, I didn't, I didn't get that one. Um, now, not for any particular reason. I just haven't got around to picking it up yet. Now the story is enjoyable. Um, the cover, I guess, if you look at the cover, it's done by Antonio. Um, it's probably not his best cover. No, um, I must, I must admit, I don't like that cover at all. It's very boring. Yeah, I think it is, but um, it's interesting. You know, maybe even the back cover might have been a better option for the front cover. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's, you know, but it's... And is it just me or does the text, the Phantom, the title, the Phantom, is it down further than usual? Or is it just... Yes. Yeah, I thought so. It, it uh, kind of makes it's, the... It's not down by as much as what you would think. I'm just comparing it to all the other ones now. And it's probably... Actually, I'm looking at three, four issues, and two, like the previous one, mm. no, so the last of the, Mer- you know, Merovingians and the Day of the Dead have got them at the same height, oh. where the Navajo is down probably maybe about another centimetre, mm-hmm. maybe if that, maybe half a centimetre. Yeah. But yeah, it, there's a lot of that empty space up the top. Yeah, which I, I think makes you – know, it doesn't help with that sort of boring element. Well, yeah, the thing that I like about the other the other covers is, one, the colours, the covers yep. with – you know, is the colours, but also there's the action, there's the mysterious element, like, you know, they have the – well, all of them, the annual's got the phantom with his head bowed, Day of the Dead's got just a silhouette, the Rose of Cario's got him with a hat on it. Um, uh, the the next issue, which was you know part two's, you know has got good colours and he's got him on a motorbike. Yeah. And then the Navajos, I don't know. It's just not an action shot. It's more of a, it yeah, it doesn't hold that same impact, I guess. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I really like so, the um, 1687, the Adventures in Egypt Part 2 cover. The, um, mm. the way they've put the light, like it would have been easy just to put yellow in, for the light on the bike, but the way that they've actually made it look like a light, um, again, it's that, that focal point of interest. It really helps the cover a lot. So it's just those little things that they, that Fru needed to do a long time ago that they didn't. But, um, yeah, definitely. But, again... So on the Navajo story, the story itself, it's, you know, it's, um, it's substandard. It's like it's not the worst story, but it's not the best story. Like it won't win any awards. Yeah. Um, I thought the Phantom gets shot a little bit too easy. 
Like for someone who's supposed to be, um, you know, quick at, you know, like the fastest gunslinger and, you know, be able to shoot, um, you know, guns out of people's hands and all that, he got shot quite easily. And yeah. it was kind of, um, I don't know, it was, it was a bit, yeah, well, he said, you know, the Phantom says in panel six down the bottom, it says, that wasn't my greatest moment as the Phantom. And it was, you know, it's very true. It's a bit slow to get shot. Um, you know, obviously we probably, um, expect, maybe you expect a bit much from him, but I just thought it, it was a little bit weak in that instance. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the story is, you know, the story is, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. It's a, you know, it's a good cowboy story. Um, so yeah, but I guess there's not that much to really talk about that one. So I guess we'll go to the next one. Uh, have you got this one? The last of the, how do you say it? The last of the. I think it's pronounced Merovingians. I think, but Mero- no, no, I Mero- haven't. But no, I haven't um, picked it up. Um, based on your comments, actually, it's the reason I don't have it. Yeah. Now, for those who don't know, I put on Facebook that I'm kind of a little bit over these. Um, these storylines. Now, the storyline, while it's all based in current day, it reflects heavily on the recent um, Gladiator storyline, um, the Egyptian storyline, where you've got, you know, the Phantom going back more than 400, and you've got ancestors who are, you know, fighting evil in, you know, in, um, you know, the dark times of France and you know, in Egypt and stuff like that. It's, uh, I don't know, like, nothing wrong with the stories, but it's just not the Phantom. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's more that I'm just over those storylines rather than the actual story being bad. But the story didn't do much. Like, the Phantom, you know, gets held up with gunpoint. He doesn't do anything about it. And then he's like, oh, they're watching us like hawks, but they've made a mistake. They haven't searched me. You know, I'm still carrying guns. And it's like, hello, what type of bad guy is going to, you know, hold people, hold, hold up people, kidnap people and not search them for, you know, for, for something like a cell phone or, you know, guns or something like that. It was just, you know, it was just very, um, very poorly written, I think. And then you've got the story, um, like the panels, I don't know, like, it was kind of like there was too much going on. Like there was the whole like the the end bad guy is trying to go for president. So then you've got two pages of some guy you know killing someone else, um, and then that goes on for another page you know about fallout of that. But it was uneventful. It didn't add anything to the storyline. It just made him look like a nutcase. Which <laughs> you know that the artwork, Le Pen's artwork is generally good and there's some really nice panels but then there's some panels that to me are you know just the wrong dimensions the wrong you know the wrong angle or you know like a uh, an important element is squashed when it should have been a little bit bigger or something Mm -hmm. um like page 25 looks terrible to be honest like, you've got this big, nice picture of Le Pen and, you know, he's done up some people walking through a, a, a graveyard 
and it's you know really big and nice and it looks good but then they've sticked five panels going around it which you know you almost need a magnifying glass to actually follow on what's going on yeah um so yeah it's not it's it's not going to um get any uh any votes for me now Something that is worth mentioning on page 31 and 32. Now, I don't know if it's actually done on purpose, but it looks like there's some... um, It looks like the printer wasn't cleaned properly, on my issue anyway. I haven't checked it on any others. And there's these lines probably about every centimetre on the artwork going over the, the art and stuff like that on one and a half pages. So, like I said, I don't know if it was just... You know, if it's just my issue or not, but it looks like looks like there's something wrong with the print job on that one. Yeah, that does sound like a dirty printer or something like that. Yeah, and then you know, and then there's you know, and then the guy, you know, all of a sudden has a change of heart and destroys, you know, the scroll, and it's just kind of like you know, okay, yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. It's a nice twist, but. You know, it's just it was just a pointless a pointless story. Fair, fair enough. So that, is that the uh, is that all the ones you've read? Or yeah, I um I've read uh, the latest King's Watch issue four. Oh yes. Now and what did you I think of it? Um, I really enjoyed it actually. Yeah, me too. Um, I must admit, I'm going to have to read them all again. <laughs> yeah. uh, to be to be honest, I didn't see it, I thought issue four was going to be more of a the point where like you know they they didn't have things under control because it's kind of like they've got things under control at the moment, obviously the wall's not ended and stuff, but I would have thought that you know. Issue four would have been when it would be like, oh my gosh, you know, we're not yeah. going to be able to do anything. Or, well, we'll um, um, definitely get more into that when we do our three and four review episode. But um, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're what you're getting at. Yeah, um, you- and then I've I've got the first two issues of Legendary, but to be honest, I haven't read them. Fair enough. Well, um, I think someone said on Facebook that. The Phantom doesn't come into it till issue four or five or something. Um, I've only read issue one, but I did really enjoy it. So I haven't read issue two yet. I do have it here ready to go. I just haven't had a chance. But, um, yeah, I, I think it could end up being a, a fun series. Um, if you're only reading it, like if your absolute only interest in it is The Phantom, you might be a little bit disappointed because he's not in it yet. But I think the story in itself is quite good, so... But we will do a special on those as well once we um once we get a bit of time. But I'm getting sick of these issues being late, man. The King's Watch, Watch issue four took forever to come out. Yeah, and it's it, like I must admit, it sat at my comic book shop for about you know probably about another two three weeks because it was just kind of like oh well yeah you know you've moved on. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know why they do it, but they really need to sort out their um, uh, their scheduling a lot better. Yeah, well, um, Dynamite had the same problem when they were when they were releasing uh, the last Phantom. So, you know, it's it's not just this series. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they're 
they have a record of late issues. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think Legendary number three comes out this week. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, you know, maybe that's coming out a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, what have I been... I've read mostly older issues. Um, I've had a whole stack that I need to catch up on, and I was lucky enough to get a couple of days off work this week, so I sat down and read through a whole heap. We've already covered um, Day of the Dead and the Egypt Adventures uh, Parts 1 and 2, but I also read Dirty Business, which was issue 1678, um, which has the Phantom involved in a boxing match. I remember you um, were quite pleased that the Phantom had a cut lip <laughs> at the end of it. Um, showed him a bit bashed around. I really really enjoyed this um, it was a great story um, some of Alex Saviuk's best artwork I think uh, it was nice to see uh, the Phantom and Diana and the kids go out on a little bit of a family family outing even though it only lasted quite uh, quite a short amount of time and ended with a whole bunch of dead fish um, I think it's nice that they they show that the Phantom does have a family life outside of all his adventuring. Um, don't get me wrong, some of the family-focused Lee Fork stories I find extremely boring, so I wouldn't want to be reading about the Phantom and the kids off to have afternoon tea every issue. But I, I just think that it's a nice little touch that they do uh, show that, that that is part of his life. He's not just beating up bad guys the whole time. Um... Yeah, I thought the story was good. Um, it was an interesting sort of, I guess, environmental, a pro-environmental activism story come boxing match. Um, the villain was easy to hate. Uh, the only thing that I found a bit confusing was um, the female character who was partnered with the villain just suddenly happened to fall in love with the fandom like every woman ha- seems to have to fall in love with him um, that was a that was kind of a rolling of the eyes moment and is that just is that just pure jealousy that it doesn't happen to you yeah probably <laughs> no but in all honesty I, I am a bit tired of every single female character falling in love with him like you've got Sally you've got um, the women from the Golden Circle. Every, it seems every time he comes up against a female opponent, um, their evil plans are undone because they fall in love with him. It's just, it's just a um, a story trope that I think is pulled out way, way too often, and it's just become, become predictable. Um, even, well, I was going to say even Sandal Singh to an extent, but. I'm still not sure if she's actually in love with him or just manipulating him. And we haven't had uh, entry into that saga for a fair while, so I'm not really sure where that's going. We still don't know if she's actually pregnant with his baby yet, do we? No, I very much doubt it will be. Yeah, I think they might have just... Yeah, I doubt it too, but I think they might have just swept that under the rug and hope people forgot about it because they haven't addressed it for a while. Um, But anyway, yes, dirty business I, I quite enjoyed. Um, the other issue I read was Prisoner in the Skull Cave, which is uh, Black Carnation getting his revenge on the Phantom for ruining his beautiful face. Uh, again, I thought this was, was quite a good issue. Um, we've had people in 
uh, posing as the Phantom before and using the, the power that comes with the legend and the rings for their own evil ends uh, before in Lee Falk stories and stuff. But this was, was quite good in that the carnation is obviously quite mentally unstable. He keeps having visions of viciously murdering everybody. Um, so the issue really sort of uh, explores what, could happen if the Phantom was evil. It's a nice kind of um, flipping on the head of of the Phantom we know and love. I guess he's like the Bizarro to the Phantom's Superman. It's quite interesting in that uh, anguish that the Garan has to go through where he thinks the Phantom gone, has gone mad and has decided he has to kill him but can't quite bring himself to do it. I thought it was the writing was really, really good. Um, the only thing that struck me as strange was the Black Carnation being that insane. I don't remember him being quite as unhinged in his previous appearances. Like, I know he went through, you know, that horrible um, event yeah, of being burnt alive, but... Something? Yeah. yeah, he was almost burnt to death, but just that... And I suppose that would have quite an effect on someone, but um, being really angry and stuff, I can understand, but having visions of mass murder, it just... Yeah, he seemed to go from a bad guy to a really vicious, horrible guy in you know, a short space of time, but maybe I'm just... It was almost, a, uh, it was almost a, a gentleman bad guy. Yeah, he was. He was. He was kind of flippant and always making jokes and stuff. Um, but here he's just completely off, off his rocker. Yeah, almost a bit like Two-Face. Yeah, exactly. Which, actually, um, while I've said it, it's a strange way for him to go. I'm actually quite was quite disappointed that he, and spoilers for anyone that hasn't read it yet, that he dies at the end of it, because I would have liked to see that really unhinged villain um, continue on for a little more, because we don't really have one in the Phantom. Um, there's a couple of mad Sing Brotherhood members, but no one quite that, I guess, murderous and insane. So it would have been interesting yeah. to keep him around for a bit. Uh, the other issue I read was The Great Insurance Scam, Issue 1642. I'm not going to go on with this for very long because I didn't really think much of it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that the, the Phantom is made aware of what's going on by having uh, people who were involved in the scam unwillingly escape and uh, escape into the junk into the jungle. I thought that was quite a unique idea, but from there it, it didn't really do much for me. It was kind of a paint-by-numbers Phantom story. Um, the, the women being involved was, was kind of interesting, but again, I just don't, don't think it was enough to really make it a good story. Like, like you said before about um, the Merovingian one, not terrible, but nowhere near amazing. And... Um, has Georges Bess always drawn the Phantom that skinny? Has he um, always drawn a fan- yeah. that skinny Phantom? Yeah, that's an older story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, no, he's always... 1987. He's always done a, um, always done a, a skinny version of it. Mm. Yeah, 1987, it says it was originally published, so... Yeah. Not one of the best stories, but um, definitely not one of the worst. Uh, and the other issue I read was 1573, so going back a fair way, 
um, the three-story special that had the Yellow Death, Triangi's Burial Ground, and the Swamp Devil, all of which I thought were, were really nice stories, really quite good. Um, especially the Swamp Devil, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's, it's probably my... F- when it first came out, I think Because it, it's actually a whole issue, a comic issue that it... That it's just, like, being republished. It's, yeah, um, they've reprinted it. Yeah, it has to be probably my favourite... Um, one of my... Probably my all-time favourite uh, issues. Yeah, and Caesar Spadari's art is a bit hit and miss for me, but his art in this is really good. He really seems to excel at the sort of creepy... Um, almost supernatural uh, type of stories where he, his art can be a bit darker and a bit more grim. And I absolutely, I'd forgotten because I had originally read it when it was first published, but I completely forgotten that um, at the end it ties back into the Swamp Rats, which was brilliant. Yeah, that was a brilliant um, turn of events. So yeah, really, really good writing. Um, really good writing on the behalf of uh, who was it that wrote it again? I'll just check. Scott Goodall, I think. Uh, yeah, Scott Goodall, that's right. Yeah, really good writing on his behalf. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much my reading. And, of course, King's Watch 3 and Legendary. Well, I'll read Legendary 2 soon, which we'll cover in future episodes. Okay, so I think that's pretty much everything for the moment. Is there anything else you um you want to mention, Jermaine, before we finish up? Not really. I think everything's pretty much... um. Done up. I was actually thinking that maybe one of the next um, podcasts we do, you know, maybe we can get some uh, more input from the fans. But you know, would a a topic? Would people be after like a topic, or would people be after you know like maybe an interview with someone, like we did with Brad, or you know maybe just some input on what people liked, and then that way we could um you know do that for the next for the next couple or so. Yeah, that's a really good idea. We do have um, Jermaine and my, uh, sorry, Jermaine and I have discussed uh, various ideas. Like we thought we might do a special episode on Moonstone and um, maybe one focusing on our favourite villains and things like that. But definitely, if you, if anyone listening has an idea, um, no matter how crazy or far out it may seem, that you think would be a good topic for us to cover on on the podcast, please, please. Uh, let us know what your ideas are. Um, and you can let us know what those ideas are through a variety of, of means. We're on Twitter, um, and you can find us at Chronicle underscore Tweet. On Twitter, we're uh, on Facebook, of course. We have the general um, Chronicle Chamber Phantom fan page, which is where we just post uh, the news and things like links to the news. But we, of course, also have the fandom collector group for those of us that like showing off our collectibles. We have, of course, our Google Plus uh, group, so if you're on Google Plus, make sure to check that out. Or um, you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com or leave any comments um, or ideas on the news post of this podcast on the website itself. So there's heaps of ways you can get in contact with us. Um, one other thing I'd just like to mention quickly before we finish up is between this and the last podcast we recorded, 
um, a whole bunch of people have sent in donations uh, for the website and for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone that sent in a donation, even if it was only five, ten dollars. Um, but some of them have been extremely generous, and all of that money has gone into uh, paying for the website hosting, paying for the URL, and of course paying for the hosting of the podcast. So all your generous donations have been put to good use, and I'd like to thank everyone very, very much. We wouldn't be able to do um, we wouldn't be able to do a lot of this without those donations because uh, I'm in casual work at the moment, so money isn't always freely available. So thank you very, very much to everyone who donated. Definitely. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I think that wraps us up for this episode. Um, any last thoughts, Jermaine? No, that's pretty good. Awesome. Um, oh, one other thing. If you do download the podcast via iTunes, please rate us on there, give us a star rating, or even better, write a quick comment. Um, we're the only fandom podcast in the world as far as we know, but we still want to get um, the podcast out there to as many people as we possibly can. Okay, thanks very much for listening to this, the eighth episode of X-Men. We'll be back probably with a King's Watch review, but if we think of something cooler or we get some cool suggestions between now and then, we might have something different lined up. Right, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you very much again, Jermaine, for joining me. And um, have no a good. Worries. Thank you as always, and thank you for listening, everyone else. Yep, have a good weekend, guys. Um, it will hopefully still be the weekend by the time I get this up on the website. Right, folks, catch you all next episode. Bye.